Welcome to Leadership Revealed, where John Paul shares his no-nonsense approach to all things leadership and scaling businesses. John interviews some of the most successful people in their industries to see what it takes to become a great leader. Be prepared for the truth about leadership and business. Please welcome your host, serial entrepreneur and top-selling author, John Paul. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of Leadership Revealed and I'm really really happy and excited to introduce to you Melody Hassani. Now Melody is a mindset mindset speaker, coach and skills trainer. She's got over 20 years experience across 100 countries and she's written for Forbes, the Huffington Post, the Guardian and has worked with individuals, educational institutions and clients such as the New York Times, Facebook, JP Morgan. Melody is also a TEDx speaker and former BBC The Apprentice candidate. Hi, Melody. How are you? And thank you so much for joining us. Hi, John. Thank you so much. That was a great introduction. Thank you. Quite an you. intro, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always a quite humbling and strange experience, you know, when you hear your own bio. But yeah, thank you for yeah, that. Very impressive. Very Pleased impressive. Pleased to be here. Excellent. So do you just want to give everybody a bit of an idea about what you do and a little bit of your background, if that's all right? Yeah, sure. So look, I'll just tell you now, the magic lies in people. You know, sometimes we sit there and we think about how can we build a strategy to do this better? How can we build the laws, the policies, the this and the that? And that's so important because that provides the parameters. But actually, the real magic happens when you invest in human potential, in human mindset and skills and what they believe is possible, what we believe is possible. So that's in a nutshell what I do. I'm a mindset coach, trainer and speaker because uh, I believe our mindset is our control center and everything really stems from there, from your beliefs to the decisions you make, to the experiences you have, the kinds of people you surround yourself with all comes from how you think, how you perceive the world, how you interpret things. So um, many years ago, um, when I came to this country and I couldn't speak English actually, at the age of 13, um, we, I was actually born in Iran and we fled as war refugees because our neighbor's house was actually bombed. And we fled as war refugees to Sweden, where I grew up, and and in in all had a fantastic childhood there, uh, wonderful education system and yeah. wonderful investment in the communities, and you really felt that and had a good childhood there, until an incident where it prompted us to move, and that incident was quite traumatic. It should be, but it's actually it's amazing how resilient you are as a child where it didn't so much affect me, but quite horrific now when I think about it. We were home one day, my brother and I, I was 12 years old and he was 11, and it was a knock at the door. Our parents were out, we, they ran a business, a, 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 it was a shop where they needed to sometimes go to straight away. And we were home and this person knocks on the door and says that your shower's making a noise downstairs. We were living in an apartment. I'd never seen this man downstairs. Mm. I felt it was a bit odd. My brother opened the door without seeing who it was. And I was just watching from the living room. He pushes my brother in and comes with a gun and motions for another man behind the door to come in as well. So they both come in with guns. You just in that moment run towards an exit. Ours was balcony, so I don't know what I was going to do. We live on the third floor. And he just meets me the other side and says, 
no, no, and points the gun in my face, gags us, wraps us together, throws us into a wardrobe and says, if your mum comes home while we are here, we will kill her, which is a horrifically unnecessary thing to tell little children. Um, they were sent by people we knew to come and take something very specific, which is horrific. And, you know, that now I can't do, um, you know, like paintballing and things or yeah. video games with a shooting. I can't do that. Even hide and seek is a bit yeah. like with somebody coming to get me and like I'm hiding. I can't. So that's the only thing. But anyway, we moved after that experience to England and South Staffordshire. And at the age of 13, I was being heavily bullied, just found it extremely difficult sort of um, really finding my place because it was nine. I looked this up, 99.9% .9 white British where I lived, the wow. village that we were living in in South Staffordshire. <laughs> so they were asking me questions like, have you got toilets in Iran? I was like, we yeah. invented civilization with 8,000 <laughs> years. <laughs> we have toilets, yes. So, you know, interesting experience. But then I found, and this really relates to what I do now, I found that instead of drowning in what was perhaps my destiny at that point, you know, where, where I was, I decided to give. So I became at the age of 13, a co-founder of UK Youth Parliament, which is one of the most successful democratic youth organizations. Just wanted to support people's voices to be heard. I just mm. thought if we're just making decisions about young people's lives, young people mm. should be stakeholders in that. So it's what we did. And on a Saturday when my friends were kind of, you know, in town or at each other's homes, chilling or whatever, as you would, uh, I was in the House of Parliament sitting and and, and not actually understanding much because my English wasn't that advanced to really understand everything everybody was talking about. But I understood the mission and I understood I wanted to support it. And we changed laws. And, you know, I met with Tony Blair before this country went to war with Iraq back then. I'm showing my age now. This is a long yeah. time ago. Um, you know, and that really formed my passion, my passion in developing communities, which then turned into developing people. I understood in order to develop communities and to make a real impact, you've got to invest in the way people think and what they believe they can do. Yeah. So I designed um, skills training. I designed really unique methods, how to engage people in the way that they think about things and to develop those tools that in each individual ultimately will make a big impact in their lives but also for for the community the world you know so that's what i did wow that's so impressive i think when you're you're sort of from from the country and you're you're part of like what stereotypical the norm you take it for granted so do you yeah. think because you came over here not speaking the language and, and going through what you went through in, in sweden that's what give you that passion that desire to change what you thought was broken effectively yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not just to change what I felt was broken, but also taking opportunities yeah. to give and to also better myself. You know, I healed through the process of giving, you know, yeah. and I shifted my focus away from my what was a really horrific situation at that time to worst years of my life, even now looking back to giving and shifting my focus to something bigger than myself you know the purpose yeah. which now has formed you know my career really so it's that it's a survival thing but also you really appreciate opportunities and one thing when I go now and I speak to young people I say look say yes to every opportunity you never know what's behind yeah. that door so you know when I was in year eight for example even when I was 14 I was like who wants to come at lunchtime to create a health and safety poster for a local business I will go 
<laughs> and I was like the only one and me and Charlotte I dragged my mates along literally dragged her nobody wanted to do anything she actually won the competition I never forget it I was like I dragged you here and you won it but I mean you know that was me I took yeah. every opportunity yeah. and I ran with it you know I showed up to places perhaps I wasn't qualified to show up to to most people's eyes but I showed up you know you would think you know you couldn't speak English properly it'd be quite daunting to go and sit in the house of parliament to discuss the strategy of how to yeah. set up a UK yeah. youth parliament but I showed up, you know, and, and and I feel like sometimes you have to really immerse in something bigger than yourself and get over your own issues, which we all, you know, we all have challenges. We all yeah. have setbacks. We all have things we can't do perfectly. And that's part of growth, you know. Course, so yeah. I understood that. And and I think that, you know, looking back now, it's it's. I mean, I've got children myself and I do think it was quite brave what I did. But back then it was about survival. It was yeah. not about can I would be lovely. It just was about I have yeah. to, you know, yeah. and I loved it. I, I love that. I mean, it's it's basically you're taking personal responsibility. You're not being a victim. You, you, you're not saying, all right, because I don't speak the language and because, you know, I'm not I'm not like from this country. Um, poor me, will be tired, me. You're actually being aggressive is the wrong word but you're being very very proactive and you're making shit happen basically aren't you yeah but you know what's so funny is that i didn't think i was a victim i yeah. i never saw it that way i used to see it as i'm so capable i'm so um i've got so much to give um you know i never saw those barriers and i know some people were saying to me like that was quite delusional or something but I think it was proactive it was almost like yeah. I chose the setting I wanted to believe in and that setting served me you know and that's but I could have seen it a different way and you could factually say that would have been quite correct you know I was an ethnic minority I was very feminine I was very you know I couldn't speak the language properly I there was there was much I wasn't educated here I didn't even know how things worked there was many things you could yeah. say would have given me every right not to go I didn't know anyone yeah. um you know we we were on benefits we didn't even have the funds really to make those trips to London I had to get it covered I had to one time pitch at the local council to even just fund a trip to London to attend something so you know you could say I had all of the barriers yeah. there in yeah. a way but I actually didn't see it and I'm not just saying this now as a motivational thing now when I reflect yeah. on my own journey I realize I just didn't see those things yeah. And, and I, in a way, I was a bit delusional, but I actually think, John, I don't know how, what you think and through your journey as a serial entrepreneur, you know, you, you need a level of delusion because if you believed everything the world told you you can't do, oh. I might as well not get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. You have to set your own beliefs. You have to set what you think is possible. That's your choice. Yeah. That's your responsibility, actually, not just choice, but responsibility. And that is why I became so insanely passionate about training people and mm. coaching people on mindsets. Because I think once you use those tools, and it's by the way, it's different for every person. If if your listeners are waiting for me now to give them the, the secrets, like one to ten, follow these steps. Well, you know, I would have written a book if it was that, like if it was a if it was Easy. literally just as simple as follow yeah. these steps. But I don't like it when people do that because yeah. it simplifies something very complex. Yeah. You know, the human brain is complex. The human journey is very individual and every person's different. So if I were to coach 
you know, Anna, Anna's journey would be really different to Evelyn's because they are completely different people. They're, they're, the connections in the brain are formed so sophisticatedly and so uniquely for each person, depending on your early years and experiences and choices yeah. you've made. So the solutions are different. But once each individual learns the, the tools you can use, to really harness the power of your mindset and the way you perceive things. Wow, that's magic. Yeah, yeah I mean, I went through a little bit of it, um, probably about 20 years ago, lost my dad because of that. We lost the business. I gave a kidney to my brother. He was on the donors list. My mum had cancer, lost my grandparents. Oh, I'm so sorry so, to hear that. Oh, no, it's 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 a bit like yourself. It's it's I could have sat back there and and said, woe betide me and, you know, gone down the wrong path. But it was a case I, I used that as fuel to right. start the business and, and other businesses and whatnot. And I think you can't, there's a fork in a road. We we all have choices. And I know people say failure is not an option. Failure is an option. Failure mm-hmm. is the easiest thing you can do because you basically sit there and do nothing. That's what fa- failure is. But I love it when people are mentally tough and mentally resilient. And I'm, I, I hate this victim mentality. And I know there's, you know, the quality of opportunity. I agree with equality of outcome. I don't, you know, quarters just because of, for whatever reason and i think we need to get mentally tough but mental health is a real issue at the moment and, and i get it and you know my wife has anxiety and, and i've got friends who suffer for it and, and are getting treatment and whatnot how would you become mentally tough how would you become mentally resilient in in such a modern age where social media can have its it can work well but it can also be the devil you said an example of your wife and your friend right now if you were to really think about those two individuals, you would understand and appreciate how different it is for your friend and your wife, and they're not the same thing, right? So we can't generalize people's paths or solutions or why something's come about. But I do acknowledge that at the moment in this country, particularly, there is, uh, it is rife. It is, uh, people are, feeling quite knocked from life experiences. Mm -hmm. And there are many reasons to this. I mean, we could talk about this for hours. We could look at the politics. We could look at society. We could look at many aspects of why this has come about. Now, to answer your question, though, is how can people become more mentally resilient? I really believe one way is to literally go towards some people you need to run towards some people if you can't manage it just take a step towards something that makes you uncomfortable right now this sounds really cliche yeah you know you got the whole step out of your comfort zone thing right but for example if you are somebody who you find it difficult to be in let's say large social settings for example right find a joy that you can relate to, that you have, and place it in a large social setting and take a step. You know, you've got to find your anchor. Find that anchor. You, we all need a sense of security. Yeah. You can't throw just, you know, literally, you know, I mean, that's not for everyone. So I appreciate that. But take a step. When you take a step towards your discomfort, then you begin to develop your resilience kicks in. You might not be aware of it even, right? Because it's just a step. If you go closer and closer and closer, really go step in 
then you'll feel it more. But it kicks in. It's like a muscle. We, we, like if I say to you now, look, no, John, you're going to do leg day today. We're going to develop this leg muscle exercises. First, you need the knowledge. Like if you've never done it before, you're going to say to me, what does leg exercises? What does it look like? What do I need to do? Here's a video. Watch it. Great. You've got the knowledge now of what you need to do. But of course, your legs are not going to benefit from you mm. having the knowledge. So the next step is for you to do the exercise, right? At first, it's going to seem odd. You're literally going to might have to look at the video, do a step, do the video, because it's something you're introducing to your body. And your leg is not going to respond straight away. It's going to feel quite uncomfortable. And the next day, you're even going to have aches, right? Now, the only way you overcome that is by doing it again. You do it again, your leg goes, hold on, we've done this before. Oh, I know which way to go. It's this way. And slowly, slowly, you won't need the instructions. You don't even need to refer it into your mind. You can have a phone conversation and your body will know what it needs to do. Now that becomes a taught thing. It's the same with the brain. The brain, the first time you introduce something to it, it's going to feel very uncomfortable and it's going to feel wrong, right? And it's only because it's new and your brain is going, hold up a minute, what's happening? We haven't done this before. Not, <clears throat> not quite sure I like it. And it's going to feel uncomfortable after as well. And you're going to have to pull your brain to do it. You literally need yeah. to show it like that exercise. But the first few times you do it, the fifth time, sixth time, you, you won't even feel uncomfortable. Yeah. It will feel natural and your brain will recognize it. It will build a new pattern and it will go, oh yeah, I know this one. It goes like this. And the pattern and connection in your brain yeah. will strengthen and you'll respond better. Now that's called mental resilience. That's how you do it, by introducing it, taking a step, going through the discomfort, knowing that that is a necessary part of introducing it to your mind and to your psyche. And you keep on treading on those paths and strengthening the connection. And there you've developed what is one example of mental resilience. Could not agree with that more. That is absolutely what I, I tell people as well. So I'm, I'm big into my training, love the gym, you know, train all the time. And my old uh, coach from years and years ago, he said, um, growth only comes from pain. Now, that was, you've, you've got to take that with a little pinch of salt. But what, what he means by that is if I'm doing squats for my legs, if I go away and I haven't, and I, I'm not aching, I haven't had a good workout. And I still think that today because, yeah. you know, your muscles are hypertrophy when you're growing. is it, It's ripping. Effectively, your muscles are ripping and then growing back together. Um, so I, I agree with that. And there's also something, I don't know if you've read a book um, called The Talent Code, Daniel Coyne, unbelievable, where he talks about myelinization, about how the more you do something, the brain grows stronger, um, you know, uh, patterns in your brain so it can do it quicker, better, faster. Absolutely. Um, so, no, 100% back. But the goalpost moves, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you got to move with the goalposts. So something that's a goal for you now, because you've done that beginning part of the training, it'll be another, it'll be a different goal. So you've got to keep moving the goalposts, keep pushing yourself. Your discomfort level might be in a different place now to someone else's just starting out. Absolutely. So it's a very unique personal journey. And we've got yeah. to build that self-awareness. Self-awareness is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Be in connection to yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. You touched on social media earlier. Now we, we can't have conversations about this, not talking about social. Look, I'm a, I'm a fan of... So like a client recently said to Melody, you know, they were getting in touch with me for a, a delivering a keynote job, right? And they're sitting on a panel and they went through an agency and went through. I was like, if I wasn't responding on some, you know, email or something, I, I didn't get their email. But if 
get in touch with me slide on my dms on instagram that's kind of where i live you know get yeah. in touch with me that way i love social media i'm a i'm a sharer i used to journal before and now i see social media as kind of like my public journal <laughs> so yeah. like i met someone in the park the other day who was like so how was dubai how was this oh i saw your son signed for birmingham city football club and how's oh, this yeah. i was yeah. like how do you know <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah of yeah. course I, I share it i just don't happen to know you but yeah. you know everything about me I'm a fan of social media, but yeah. I didn't grow up with it right now. And also I guard my own kind of mental space really, really carefully. Okay. So of course things penetrate and of course I can be affected and, and my kind of norm is built through social media and what I'm exposed to. I can't lie to you. Of course I do. I'm a human being and we're all affected by each other. But if somebody hasn't got that really clear picture of themselves, okay, and they are constantly, we are being fed so much data every mm -hmm. single day, we have to be really careful about what we perceive as our truth, mm -hmm. okay? And this is where you have to build your own self-awareness, check in with yourself, have a really close relationship with yourself, feel connected to yourself and who you are mm. so that when you are exposed to lots of different things that you can go through a filter and go, okay, I'm being told this is the truth. Let it go through my own personal filter and see if I want to adopt this as truth or do I want to reject it and say, actually, no, this isn't me. Mm. We need that. That is so mm. fundamentally important. And this, again, I, I call identity is the first module that we cover in the training that I do and the coaching that I do, mm. whether it's to children or adults. Speaking of, of, of the kids and stuff, I mean, we were talking a little bit off air. What, what age do you think that children can actually benefit from, you know, this, this type of training, coaching mindset? And in what ways can it do that can help? Can it like um, set them up for to deal with the pressures? Because there is a constant lot of pressure at the minute on social media and life in general. How, how, how does that work? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I've always been really passionate about uh, youth work and, uh, you know, training young people and developing young people's uh, minds, because I think it's like a blank canvas, you know, with adults. And my, I love working with adults because it's got such depth and they've got such history, you know, and then and it's it's so fascinating. But with adults, you're sometimes undoing certain things. You're undoing certain thought patterns. Whereas with children, it's about a blank canvas and you can plant the right seeds for them and teach them the tools so that they can become who they want to be. And with children, I think it's so powerful. Like you've got a seven-year-old, you were saying, right? We ask children all the time, what do you want to do when you're older? What do you want to do when you're older? But we rarely ask children, who do you want to be? Yeah. Who do you want to become? And this is a, an article that I've wrote for the Huffington Post was about this fundamental question of asking children who. Now, what you do, you know this, will change in your lifetime. You know, you have different careers. The what changes. But the who you fundamentally are 
is so important and that remains the same we grow but who we fundamentally are is our asset so with children it's about really getting them to think about who they are and who they want to become you know and building that pride in that so we uh i run a program after covid if, if before covid if i said to a little child come to the computer we're going to do personal growth and mindset through you know them sitting there through the computer it just wouldn't happen mm. but because they started doing the distance learning and all of that stuff online learning we launched coaching for kids now coaching for kids is aimed at four to 16 year olds all about developing resilience growth mindset you know that self-awareness confidence communication all these important tools and life skills um and we and I, I don't think you're ever too young to develop the youngest child i have trained online to, on this program was three years old but really? we do say uh four to 16 is the is the age yeah. i i agree i think uh, you, you know i'm not i'm not, not you know teachers and syllabus or anything like that but i mean it's been said since i was a kid god knows how many years ago that that what you get taught in schools does not set you up to be a fully functioning adult. Yes, you need to learn, you know, English, mathematics, sciences and stuff, but it depends what you want to be in life. But the skills that you're teaching them and coaching is all about confidence, mental resilience, mental toughness, everything that you need on a day-to-day -day basis, real life skills. The One of the quotes I love the most that really relates to this topic of conversation is Einstein who said, Everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's going to live its whole life believing it's stupid. Yeah. Society can't define one route to success for children that are so vastly yeah. different. So you, but it's your responsibility to figure out who you are and what yeah. you're good at and what you can do. And this is why I'm so passionate about the theme of personal responsibility, mm. you know, and I think that building a strong mindset develops that within you. So when I work with children, we had one child, her parents, they're vastly different, the clients that I have. Some are super achievers, they need to balance the pressure and things. Some are, you know, um, really need the, the what I would call foundational tools. Yeah. Um, everybody's different and I love working with all of them. But I had one parent who came to me and said, look, my daughter is the selective mute. She hasn't spoken in one and a half years at school. They're never even heard her say her name she'd literally not spoken at school um she came to me we had six sessions she'd booked 10 sessions but by the sixth session she came to the session with a certificate because she had volunteered and put her hand up and told her teacher about this book that she'd read and wow. the teacher was amazed and it's about and I can't say it's about working magic it's simply about tapping into that person's mind and building a good feeling it's got to feel good you know that that's one thing yeah. I promised myself with my clients once the sh sessions ended no matter how uncomfortable I made you feel because growth can be uncomfortable and I'll hold the mirror to you that maybe you haven't seen for many years particularly with my adult clients but by the end of it I want you to walk away feeling good exhilarated you know and that's and that's uh, that good feeling can unlock a lot of potential in us as well it's not just you know, the uh, discomfort and the this and the that and pushing and, yeah. you know, and the, the to-do lists and all of this stuff. Sometimes it's just feeling good. Feeling good and peace opens a lot of potential as well. And I think that's important. 
Yeah, it is. It's like you are unlocking individual human potential, isn't it? It's and, and yeah. what we said at the beginning and offline is it's very individualistic. Not there's no sort of set script. It's, you've just got a ton of tools in your tool belt, and you just pull out various things to help them on on based on individual circumstances. You've got a tool belt. Oh, I've got a toolbox. Yeah, toolbox. <laughs> that's yeah. what I always say. Toolbox. <laughs> a tool belt is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You do a lot of work with uh, uh, young women and, and um, females and stuff. How t- there's a lot of industries that are very, very typically male dominated. How do, especially in you know the STEM industries, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and you know speaking off air, I've set up a tech company, um, and I was explaining to you the the issues we've had with uh, developers. So you know we've got two full time developers. We've had probably fifty CVs, and I believe we had one female apply i'm looking for a sales manager we've only had a couple of women apply um how do we get and because i am 100 sure convinced i'm on board that having women in on boards i mean i've read up to like 60 percent more effective by having a fair balanced board in, in certain corporates how do we get that how do we encourage more women to go for traditionally male dominated industries so, yeah, I know it's a really interesting question. and I'm glad you asked this. And I'm glad that you as a business owner is really paying attention to that. And that does need to happen as well. Um, you know, I was I'm a member of the FTSE 100 um, companies group that really gets women. We look at how to progress women through the corporate pipeline. OK, now, look, in brief, because this is another big topic that one could yeah. go into a book's worth. But in brief, I do think. There is an onus on women to put themselves forward, okay? Yeah. There's also an onus, which I'll come on to another side of it. But the first bit is we've got to put ourselves forward. Now, when I speak to my female clients and when I go to companies and I do all this uh, training and things with companies, what I see is that women need to tick all requirements before they apply. If they even don't tick one, they're like, oh, I don't think I'm qualified to apply for that. I don't think I'll get it. So they may not. Men, on the other hand, they need yeah. to hit about 50 to 60% of the requirements and they think that that's good enough to apply and put myself forward. Now that needs to change, okay? So women have to put themselves forward more and really kind of, and I think that's the first step, putting yourself forward, apply for things, ask for the promotion, believe that you've qualified enough that, you know, because people can learn on the job as well. Or sometimes people want to see potential. They want to see a willingness and the rest, I'm willing to invest in you to develop the rest of the experience to get, you know, so you've got to put yourself forward. That's the first thing. But there is also an onus on society to also be less, judgmental to women who are ambitious. Now, I say this through a little bit of personal experience because when I was on The Apprentice, which is a very much of a corporate dog-eat-dog world type environment, look, I'm a fighter. You've heard my story. You know, I'm a fighter, not because I'm ambitious and I want to, you know, a money lover because I would be in a different industry, but because I am a fighter because of where I've come from and I believe in being passionate, passionate about who I am now. And I fought a lot of big fights to get here, you know? So when I was on The Apprentice and I was really kind of putting myself forward and I was talking about what I can bring to the table. Now, The Apprentice is heavily edited, obviously. So everything you see, you have to take it a bit like... But I I was a fighter. Now, if I was fighting and I was fighting for the sales or for the opportunity or whatever, 
people were like, she's so ruthless. That was the general perception. It's viewed by 9 million people every week. She's so ruthless. And people didn't perceive the ambition and likability were not positively correlated. Whereas to men, if men did the same thing, and they did in our process that year, they wanted to fight for the sales and they wanted to put themselves forward. People were like, wow, he's so capable. He's a go-getter, pat on the back type thing. So this obviously does not help women's progression either. And sometimes women tend to perhaps hold themselves. So there are these two elements. If there are women listening right now, go for it. Put yourself forward. Fight that fight. you got to do that. You can learn on the job. You don't need to have everything to start. Nobody has everything to start. So put yourself forward. But to everybody else listening, I think, you know, be really mindful of the judgment on women and how can we create an environment where women can thrive in a, in a more of a fair, you know, playing field. I think um, when I had the agency, you know, we, we we had 60 staff, 11 branches, and we were 1.90% women. Um, and I would say our best managers, my MD was a woman, my area manager was a woman, both of them, um, most of the managers women. And I think there were a, a lot more, and this is just off, you know, growing businesses, and I've, I've got friends who've got businesses. Women are a hell of a lot more conscientious, and they're, they're very, they care more, they've got more, an awful lot more empathy. And I think maybe... You, you know, that conscientiousness prevents them. It's brilliant, it's great, but it inhibits people. For, like you said, oh, there's 10 boxes I've got to tick. I'm, I only tick eight of them. Where the guy's like, I've only got four, I'm going to go for it. And sometimes, you know, I totally echo what you said. Girls, just go for it. <laughs> you know, give, give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? You didn't get it? Well, go again, go again, go again. Um, yeah. And I think that's a message we've got to get through to, to young people and young young girls coming through the ranks as well. Yeah, yeah. But of course, every woman's different as well. So I don't want to yeah. kind of generalize or put women in a box and say they're oh, yeah. generally this or they're generally that. Everyone's yeah. different. But yes, I mean, uh, neurologically, uh, they have a more multi-layered brain and Absolutely. can really um, have many thoughts at the same time exist in their mind. And they are more empathetic, generally, yeah. women you know in their brains but um yeah everyone is different so um so yeah it's it's fascinating it's fascinating it really is melody i could talk literally for hours to you about this subject <laughs> i think we're pretty much uh in tune with our thoughts and our beliefs which is great um really really nice to hear um i just want to say thank you so much for doing this i know you're very very busy and um, if thank people you. want to get in touch with you or, or follow you on social or, or even learn more about your coaching one-on-one personalized yeah. how, how do they get in touch they can come onto the website, melodyhasseini.com. They can get in touch with me, give me a follow on Instagram. I talk about a lot of these themes on there or LinkedIn. Find me on there or Twitter, melody underscore Hasseini. Same for Instagram. And just stay in touch with me. And uh, I'm happy to help if people want to drop me an, an email or whatever. I, all, I pride myself on getting back to people. So, uh, yeah, they can find me on there. Excellent. We'll put all the uh, the links to the socials and how to get in touch in the description. But Melanie, once again, thank, thank you so you. much. Really appreciate it. Thank you this. so much, John. Appreciate that.